If you or someone you know are dealing with suicidal thoughts, please text 741-741 or call 1-800-273-8255. Tonight we have a special guest, Ms. Alana Hinton. She is an educator and advocate. She has a bachelor's degree in social work, master's degree in human services, and also the co-founder with myself of uh, Solid Impact Youth and Teen Support Group. She's going to join me here shortly, and we're going to kick off this conversation Suicide is the second leading cause of death for young people between 10 and 24. Sometimes our struggles can be underestimated because of our age. But we hear you and help is available. So as soon as we get Miss Alana on screen, we're going to start. We want to make sure that, again, if you're dealing with suicidal thoughts, please text 741-741 or call 1-800-273-8255. Please do not hesitate to text or call that number. Suicide is something that we can't talk about enough. I think with everything that everyone is dealing with, both young and old, um, it's, it's important that we keep the conversation open, keep that line open for communication, and especially for our, our youth. They have so much uh, pulling on them and weighing on them. If we, during this pandemic, for example, um, as adults, we struggle just staying at home. We can't imagine having to stay at home as a child and you have all of that energy. So one of the first questions I want to ask again is how, oh, let me ask you this, Miss Hinton. Do you have or have you had any children that have, have asked, asked for help for, for emotional, emotional support. support? Are you meaning like, Students or yes, I have. Do you, Do you find, find that, that happening, happening often? often? No, most often we have to remember that adolescents, especially when you're dealing with adolescents, they tend to hide their struggles because of fear, um, shame, or a sense of responsibility of a burden to others. So when you're dealing with adolescents, especially in teens in general, you have to remember to try to invite the child to talk. And if they 
do start to talk, you have to remember not to shut down whenever they start to say things that you may or may not agree with, especially when they start talking about sadness or, or feeling hopeless. Sometimes as an adult, our first thing, especially if we're a parent of that individual, is to kind of shut down. We become defensive. Well, if a child feels that, the child will immediately disconnect from you. And the problem with that is that it will be difficult for you to establish that connection, that line of communication in the future. So you don't want to damage that line of communication if you have it with your child or whoever the child has it with. So if the child is comfortable with a teacher or a pastor, or a friend, it's very important that that line of communication is protected by without means. Right, right. And and as I was saying earlier, uh, I had a this very conversation with a friend of mine um, earlier today, and we was talking about remixing how we were raised with uh, raising kids now, and it's okay to go back and grab something that you that helped you um, or that you experienced in your childhood. But because there's so many different things going on that they deal with, and then they have the technology in their hands, and they have all of these things weighing on them, um, and, and even they've experienced more death in the past two years, I would say, especially since COVID um, has hit, and especially in the black community, we, we put a stigma on asking for help or going to see a therapist and so i guess one of my next question um to get your opinion on how do we break that stigma as parents well, of the young kids well first we have to break it within ourselves because if our child or children around us feel the stigma or hear us discussing the fact that a therapist is for well to do or a different race then of course that idea is going to linger. We forget that as parents, as adults, we set the tone in a house, in a class, we are the tone. So if a child hears an adult talking about, oh, I would never you know, go and see a therapist, well then if you try or you need a therapist for this child or a child that is close to that child, what are they gonna think? The exact same thing that they've heard you say. And so the first step, I believe, is to break that wall within ourselves and tell ourselves it's okay if you need help because we can't always deal with things on our own. Even though we think and we have been taught that we can, that is not true at all. Exactly, exactly. I'm, and, and even um, something else that uh, we, we discussed was there is a difference with a single parent household versus a two parent household, which sometimes it can be the same. It's, it's, it can be difficult either way. I've spoken with parents, uh, bereaved parents whose um, children have committed suicide as young as nine years old. And I can't imagine an eight or nine year old child um, deciding that, and, and these are two parent households, um, that they couldn't go to either parent and not putting blame on anyone. I mean, raising mm -hmm. kids does not come with a handbook. There, there's no handbook, right. no rule book, yeah. no anything. <laughs> like, you, you know what you know. And, and you deal with it, the, the, the deal with everything the best way you know how. But 
for those parents, I think one of the the uh, mothers that I've spoken with, she said the most difficult part was that she knew she talked to her daughter, and her daughter was nine years old, and she went in the room um, and found her daughter with a sheet tied around her neck at the end of the bed, and it was so devastating. I think this was the beginning of 2020. And she said she had the conversation. She kept the communication line open to where whatever was bothering her, she knew she could, uh, she felt like she knew she could come to her. And sometimes, um, even with her dad, her dad said the same thing. You know, she, he knows they had an open communication and they could talk. So it took them completely by surprise. And I think, I don't think you can ask enough sit down with your kids and let's just talk just have a regular conversation whatever happens we just talking and um because even with child rearing period you can raise them well raise them good and they still make their own decisions they they still gonna go out and um, do what they want to do at some point but when it comes to this I don't think we can have that communication or that talk enough. Um, So I think, I guess, going into the next part of that is um, besides talking, and you said to be able to listen with empathy, that's what what you were saying, to be able to Mm -hmm. take the judgment out of what they're saying. Because I know uh, I couldn't go to my mama and say, I'm feeling sad enough to, and I'm having so no, you had one job <laughs> and that was to go to school. So again, things are so different. So in, in your point, how, how different is it now? I mean, you have children. So what has been your experience as a parent well, and ch- educator? Children go through a lot at this point. We have to remember that this generation has to deal with social media and, and the, the, the cyber bullying. And the one thing that I always tell my students and my children is that the thing with cyber bullying is that it never goes away. And so although we may think and we tell our, our child, it's okay, it's not the end of the world, that's probably the last thing they want to hear. Because for them at that moment, although for us, we know life goes on, for that child, that is their world. What their friends think, what their family think, that is their world. And so when you talk about leaving that line of communication open, you're right. You can never ask enough, but it's more to it than that. You know, you have to also monitor behavior because a lot of times there are behavioral changes, you know, such as loss of appetite, difficulty sleeping, irritability, mood swings they change a lot of times they um they change friends they'll start hanging with people maybe that they had not have hanged with before but it's definitely a multi-step process it's not something that we can just attribute to talking it's not something we can just say i'm going to drop my child off at the therapist because a lot of the a lot of the silent cries is not for a therapist It's for those who are around them. A lot of times a child is seeking attention from a parent, uh, a loved one could be, especially teenagers, Lord, a boy or girl. Mm -hmm. I've had a girl uh, tell me when I was a school social worker, she literally said that she felt like her world was ending when this guy dumped her. 
she dunked it. This girl was in the, this was seventh, she was a seventh grade student. Her world was ending because she got dunked. And although for me, it felt like, what? You know, I had to remember that for this girl at that moment in her life, that is what mattered to her. And so who are we to tell a child, no, that's not that big of a deal. Mm -hmm. Those kind of statements, those kind of statements contribute to a child feeling like their problems are a burden. Mm -hmm. And so when we make statements such as that one, it causes them to hold in things that they need to say, even if they're just saying them to a friend. Sometimes just spitting them out Mm -hmm. helps to relieve some of that pressure. You know, but when you have no one or you feel like no one really is listening, then you start to turn to that whole, um, I'm a burden. Nobody wants to hear what I have to say. And so we have to just make sure that even when a child says, I don't want to talk, I tell my kids all the time when I say, y'all want to come watch a movie with me? And my oldest son has a bad, he'll say, I'm fine. And I say, well, just come sit with me. It's okay to sit in silence. Sometimes you can observe, you can learn more from those silent moments than you can when you're talking. You know, so it's not all about what they're rolling out of their mouths. Some of it is about body language and and behavior. You know, so making those small investments over time also pays off. Indeed. I I, I completely agree with you. My older son, Corey, he's he's always been nonchalant. Um, There's nothing that you could tell was bothering him, you know, he wouldn't tell you. And you Mm -hmm. literally, I would literally have to pull it out of him um, at at different times, you know, and I think since um, my, my baby boy passed away, we, we all went through so many different changes mentally and emotionally trying to figure out and navigate our way through it. And the one thing I can say that, and, and a lot of this now, um, uh, seeking help, I, I sought help. Um, I'd hurry up and ran to a, to a therapist. Um, but he didn't want to go and I didn't want to force him. And I think now, even now I encourage him to seek help because it's, it slowly pulls out of him. It's, you can see it. He has different, uh, things that happen. Like even with the holidays, I think this past Christmas was real rough on him and, I, I kept saying, let's find some help or find somebody you can talk to. And he's mm-hmm. 24 years old, you know, hey, now seek help. It's okay because it's okay that you're not okay. You mm-hmm. grieve. And, and even with our, our younger kids now, because like I said, they're, they're experiencing more death now than they probably ever have. And they've been so back to back you know so close together and so you want to keep that uh line of communication open i think one thing that i did was i didn't want to let them let him see me cry and my therapist said she told me she said let him right that gives him the okay that it's okay to breathe yeah yeah so that I, i think that's more that's so important that as a family as a unit um, single parent or, or, or two household, it doesn't matter. Sit down with your kids and just talk or share in whatever is bothering you. If you need to cry, let's cry together. Or And, and we do it without judgment. Um, and our kids now, they have so many different ways 
that um, to to express themselves. And if we are not keeping an open mind and, and taking dropping the judgment, we'll be seeing a lot more um, suicides happening. Now, I guess even with the stigma, we have to remove the stigma of seeking help. Um, I mean, it's it's so important. Our mental health is so, so important. So I want to go over um, knowing the risk fac- factors uh, or the characteristics that make it more likely that someone will consider or attempt uh, suicide. And one uh, is hopelessness. Have you, as an educator, seen that in, in kids? And I guess that kind of goes along with what you said before uh, when you was talking about a student earlier, but um, hopelessness, how do we, how do we uplift them? What is, what is the best thing we can do to uplift them to where they don't feel hopeless? Well, I think that um, ironically, I tell people all the time, sunshine, <laughs> it sounds crazy. But it really does, um, and it really can assist in boosting your mood. Mm-hmm. So anytime that I notice that I start to feel down, or even if any of my kids I notice, the first thing I say is, let's go outside, especially if the weather is nice. Mm-hmm. You'll be surprised at just what getting some sunlight can do for you, okay? Mm-hmm. But also, if they can sleep, sleep helps. Um, long baths help, you know, kind of calm us down when we're anxious. But I also talk about things like lending a hand. But one of the main things I talk to parents about is managing the screen time that our kids have. And when I say screen time, I mean the electronic devices. Because if your child is already struggling with emotional health, then a lot of times the screen and what they're viewing is not assisting for the most part, Mm -hmm. Um, especially if it is as a world as a result of, excuse me, like something like cyberbullying. If they have been bullied in the past, I would definitely try to manage that screen time and even monitor what they're viewing. We would be surprised at just looking at our child's um, web, their view history. You could look at some of the things that they're researching and for some parents, it would break your heart. And it's not that it would break your heart because it's anything vulgar. You know, Mm -hmm. but a lot of it is sadness and things that we watch promote that. And so we have to be careful that the things that we're watching are promoting our mood to step up. And we're encouraging our kids to eat healthy, eat things that are promoting their body to function correctly, as well as their brain. Mm -hmm. Um, If they're under, if they're not eating correctly, that can assist in them being depressed. So I always tell my parents, try to make sure their meals are more balanced. I know that sounds really, really small, Mm -hmm. but you'd be surprised at how making sure they get enough fatty acids and omega-rich foods and things like that can promote their mood. And so we want to make sure that we're giving them things like that and then encouraging them to be active in some sort of community um, involvement, like lending a hand. For some reason, helping someone else helps us forget about our own issues sometimes, or it helps us to realize sometimes how small our issues are. And so I always tell my kids, my students, especially when I was a social worker, I would say, um, well, let's go and let's go to the gym. And a lot of times when we were going to the gym, another class was already there. 
I would always pick the kid who was either playing by themselves or maybe had one or two friends. And we would go and kind of operate with them. When I say operate, I mean whatever they're doing, we would do. But you would be surprised at just kind of having, having them come out of their comfort zone, what that can do for a child. You know, but we also have to just remember that if their mood doesn't improve or if you don't see a, redu- a reduction in their anxiety, then you definitely, as always, and I'm going to push, is you need to seek assistance either from a pediatrician, a social worker, a counselor, a therapist. But I always tell my parents, if you feel like you can't, if you feel like your child is struggling and you try everything you know to do, then I always encourage to seek help because just sometimes having someone outside the home is the, is the answer. Mm-hmm. You know, I was a, I was a mental health professional uh, for three years. And when I did that, I actually had youth and adults. And it was crazy because some of my youth would cut up in school until I arrived. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I know that sounds crazy, but when I would come, they'd be like, Oh, she's here. And I'm like, I'm not even, and I thought I wasn't anybody important, but you'd be surprised at, who a child links to. And when I was talking to you earlier about making sure that line of communication when it is established is maintained, is vital. You know, so whoever you notice your child has connected with, you don't want to tarnish that line of communication unless it's a dangerous line, like somebody that you're worried about for predatory purposes. But anything other than that, you want to make sure you maintain that line of communication. Indeed. I, I completely agree with you. Um, communication is key and that's that's communication is key with everything that we do pretty much i mean um you can i i think that there has to be someone in our lives that we can say or that can look at us and say let's talk what's going on mm-hmm. um and and i and our kids need that as well um and i think with them, we already tell them to be careful who we call, who they call friend, who they call an associate versus a friend. But when you're feeling some type of way and when they're feeling some type of way, you, you keep them covered in prayer. But you you pray that they have the, at least that one, maybe two uh, friends that can say, let's talk. I'm listening. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, one thing that I, I share with bereaved parents is that I'm not the expert at this. I'm learning. I'm ever learning um, a lot of this uh, as I go. And some of those parents even struggle with suicide. So um, because as a parent, of course, this is different. That's different than with a child. But as a parent, you've buried your child and that guilt can overtake you. So you have to be careful and hopefully you have the, a, a good support team, a support system that can, um, that you can call on. So if it's just that important with a parent, it's definitely even more important for our, for our kids. Um, and we can all take action. Uh, evidence shows that providing support services, talking about suicide, reduces access to means of self-harm and following up with loved ones are just some of the actions we can all take to help others. And I think that's something we need to get in the practice of, in the habit of doing. Um, and, and 
they say, you know, uh, if you if someone cross your mind, call them. Yes. And, and with kids, we have to do the same. Like it's it's so so important. Um, offering immediate counseling to whoever needs it. Local crisis centers um, can provide invaluable support. Uh, and and uh, uncles, aunts, you know, there has to be someone that we can call on and that they can call on um, to for help. And if your family has a history of suicide, mm-hmm. that's that's something else. I think we try to bury too much as as a family. We try to sweep yes, stuff under exactly. the rug and act like it's not in, it's not a thing. Um, yes, we got to get out of that. Um, I mean, whatever it is, we got to be able to talk about it. Communication again. Communication is that is that thing. Um, there was something. And else. Angela, can I say something real quick? Go ahead. When you said if your family has a history, I just want to touch on that and say that that means that not only if someone you know has passed away, but even if they have attempted the 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 chances of a child attempting is higher, mm-hmm. even if a family member has just tried to wow. attempt suicide. It doesn't even mean if they were successful or not. Mm-hmm. So we need to, when you say we need to uncover that and stop making it seem like it's a secret, if, if you have struggled as an adult or you know one of your relatives has struggled and you see your child struggling, you need to make sure that you're watching because your child is definitely going to be at a greater risk. Mm-hmm. And I think that the fact that we want to push it under the rug is one of our biggest issues, especially in the Black community. You know, if somebody does something like that, the first thing we do is say, Shh, don't tell anyone, don't tell anyone. Mm-hmm. And we act like, you know, we're, it's something to be ashamed about. But dealing with mental health is a big deal. And if it is not dealt with appropriately, it can be life-threatening. Indeed, indeed. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, like, that that's truth. Like, there ain't no other way of, of putting that. <laughs> that is what it is. And we have to get better um, with, with, our, with ourselves and to be able to even help our children even more. I think um, at this point, again, we have never de- dealt with a, a pandemic. A definite, this is definitely not the first pandemic in, in the United States, but we've never had to deal with it. And so right. um, as even with the snow <laughs> that we experienced for that week and we mm-hmm. were about to pull our hair out because we ha- had never had to really just sit still because we were determined, even with the pandemic going on, a, a lot of people were still trying to go out and, go places mm-hmm. because they, they haven't had to deal with that so it's just that much harder for our youth um and and even with you know uh, being isolated or, or being uh quarantined in-house and parents are having to turn into teachers and so mm-hmm. that's a frustration and that might fall over onto the kid because now they're struggling learning virtual so i i can only yes. imagine that i can only thank god i ain't yes. gonna deal with that oh, it, 
and 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 with that, I I tell my parents because I teach virtual. Um, all of my students are virtual, and anytime I hear a parent scolding a child or fussing about their grades, I always tell them that children, even adolescents. They have not fully learned social and emotional skills, let alone learn how to adapt with the pandemic. And so one thing that they need that we forget that we often ask for is grace. And so I stress to my parents all the time when they call me and say, well, my child failed this. I had one parent, literally, I could hear her hitting her child. And I told her, I said, it's okay. I said, it's okay. I said, I said, this child is struggling. I said, I'm struggling as an adult, Mm -hmm. you know, and I I made it more about, I turned it to me so that she would kind of pause for a second, Mm -hmm. you know, and realize that not only is this child struggling and the children are struggling because again, we've taken everything they love, all that social interaction, the hugs, the friends, the playing, Mm -hmm. the going out, all that is gone. And so they're at this point where we're telling them stay home to stay alive. But do you know how difficult, just like you said, that must be for children who have yet to fully master social and emotional skills. They're struggling to balance. But yet we're, while we're struggling, we're forgetting to give them grace. And so that's where there's a definite disconnect. Right. Definitely. Definitely. And again, I, I, I empathize with the teachers and the parents who with school age children. Um, my son, 24. <laughs> I don't I, have, <laughs> I didn't have to, you know, do that. But yeah. I mean, I find it even difficult for for my nieces and nephews, you know, that are struggling. And I, I just like I know I can't because I've learned a different way. Um, I was taught a different way as far as school, some school work or whatever. So, but I, I empathize and understand uh, their struggle, you know. Um, and again, my hats off to the teachers and the parents turned teachers. Uh, my hats off to you <laughs> for even being able to juggle this pandemic, juggle being a parent and juggle being a, a teacher. That is a lot for anyone to handle. Um, I I I can't imagine it. So my my hats off to you. Thank you for your teaching, wanting to teach, <laughs> for and having that understanding. Because you have to be, and I think that's that. What's going on in the news now uh, with these teach some of these teachers? You really have to have a heart for these kids. You don't yeah. always have to have the uh, extra degrees and different stuff like that to want to have a to have a heart to teach children and 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 love on them because sometimes even for kids going to school was the the only chance they had to get a meal going to school was where they found love or or felt love so we have to be uh understanding and show that empathy to them um and and know that they have a place to go they need to know that they have someone they can talk to if they can't talk to someone at home so i want to list um i'm not gonna hold you that much longer i'm gonna go through how we can help i know you're still a parent so (laughs) we'll (laughs) go through that um how to help first of all first thing we want to do is take your loved one take your child seriously 
some people feel that kids who say they are going to hurt or kill themselves are just doing it for attention. But if your child, friend, or family member confides in you thoughts of suicide, believe them and get help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Please believe them and get help. The second thing is listen with empathy and provide support. A fight or breakup might not seem like a big deal, but for a young person, it can feel immense. Um, sympathize and listen. Minimizing your child or friend feeling um, is going through can increase. Minimizing their feelings can increase his or her sense of hopelessness, and and we can't afford to do that. I I, I would. That's just we have to understand. Take the judgment off and mm-hmm. listen to what they're saying. Um, learn the warning signs. Friends sometimes let friends know if they're thinking about suicide or dying. Other times changes in behavior may show that someone is struggling. So we have to pay attention. Just, you know, keep an extra eye out. Take an extra moment with them to uh, and just just look and listen. You, you'll be able to tell everybody knows that you, their child not all of them are the same so you, you know their ways and what they, what they will or will not do and last thing don't keep suicide a secret if your friend is considering suicide don't promise to keep it a secret tell him or her you can help but you need to involve other people like a trusted adult neither of you have to face this alone you matter we we want to uh, we can't stress that enough you matter and you are needed you are loved so much and i'll let you have the the last word before we sign off if there's anything else you would like to say i just want to remind everyone that um if like miss angela was saying if you know a child or you yourself are experiencing depression please remember that that is not something that a person normally just snaps out of and so I think that a level of understanding and a level of respect to the individual is owed to, to, for them to be able to even express that to you. So just be mindful of that. It's not a choice to just go, I'm well. Right. You know, it would be wonderful if we could all just snap our fingers and feel like a million dollars all the time. But that's not always the case. And so, yes, if you need assistance, if you need help, reach out, call the hotline number. Um, that Miss Angela uh, listed the 1-800-273-8225 or the text or reach out and get your, get yourself or your family or loved one a therapist or someone else that they can talk to. That is very important. Like Miss Angela said, do not try to deal with this alone. You're not alone. There are people here to help you. Indeed, indeed. And again, thank you, Miss Hinton. I, I appreciate you. I asked her last minute on yesterday if she would mind coming on and she agreed i've been trying to get her on for a little while now but but again we're, we're certainly appreciative and thankful for your insight as an educator and um, as a parent of small children um it, it can make we hope this helps someone out there um this is different from what i normally do on this podcast but we cannot ignore it and we cannot talk about it enough. Suicide prevention and youth mental health. Uh, again, if you're feeling, having thoughts of suicide, text 741-741. 
or call 1-800-273-8255. The President Biden signed a, uh, a, a another act, a National Suicide Hotline Designation Act. So in the month of July of next year, by July next year, the number 988 will be the designated uh, hotline for suicide. But until then, remember 741-741 to text or 1-800-273-8255. Thank you again for coming on and logging on and listening to our show tonight. Again, this is Life After Child Loss of Parents Grief. And we'll be back again next week. Ms. Hinton, thank you again so much. Thank you for having me. Mm -hmm. All right.